Shoecast. Welcome back to the still barely on the finished podcast charts Stitch Down Shoecast, where we talk quality footwear, how it's made, and all the things that we love about it. I'm Ben from stitchdown.com, along with a man who just patented an even speedier speed hook, Ticho Blanco. Great work, Ticho. And today we are here to talk about how to get the best customer service possible when buying boots or basically anything and just be lavished in good feelings and possibly a complicated secret handshake from brands and retailers and anybody who sells you stuff and services you. To help us wade through it all, we've got Neil Barrett, lauded customer servicer from Standard & Strange. But for a quick moment, we're going to keep Neil locked in a darkened holding cell with blackened Norwegian folk metal from Mirkgrav blasting. He loves it. While we give a loving shout out to our sponsor this week, Nick's Handmade Boots, the Spokane boot maker that's been creating some of the best boots in the world since 1964. Follow them on Instagram. Check out their site, Nick's Boots. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the forthcoming Stitch Down Patina Thunderdome, the seven-month judged boot and shoe aging contest with almost $15,000 in prizes, mostly boots, thanks to our amazing sponsors. Just by wearing your boots or shoes, you can win free Vibergs and Wescos and Parkhursts and Grantstones and Osmos and Trickers and Cigaras and Rancourts and Jim Greens and Frank's Boots and Nick's Boots. Plenty more details on stitchdown.com. Thunderdome. All right, it's time. Let's open the cell door and let Neil out. Hello, Neil. How are you today? How is the uh, green room? And what, may I ask, are you wearing on your feet today? I've got a pair of the Clinch Jaeger boots in Nashville rough out on my feet. But I think all that music, that folk metal that you were playing... Caused my ears to bleed, so there's some blood spots on them now, but it's okay. It'll just blend in. The most natural of all patina, ear blood. Ticho, are you here too? Did you make it? I am here too. My ears are not bleeding because I've got, you know, really hearty East Coast ears. And <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'm a, a big uh, Mirkgrav fan myself, so I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, yeah, on my feet today, I've got some, uh, I've got my... Viberg 2040 last uh, Mocha Oil Tan Rough Out Surface Boots. Just a real nice classic boot. Wait, I thought I still had those. <laughs> yeah, these are these are the boots I lent you and then had to uh, literally just show up at your house to uh, to get them back. I'll, I actually I like it when people have things that I own because then I can uh, I can break into their houses without it being a burglary if I intend to reclaim my item. It's nice to have that in your back pocket. You're a lawyer. So you just let you just let me write in and I, I took them off your shelf. So f that's fine as well. Besides this amazing uh, vintage ski sweater that I can see you're wearing. Uh, what do you have on your feet, man? Well, I've also got some Vibergs on. I have the standard and strange tobacco chamois, according to Nick Horween, 145s. Uh, been getting these out a lot recently. I'm thinking about putting some Neat's foot oil on them. Uh, which is what Nick recommended and said that that's just what they put on this stuff uh, at Horween, just for fun, mainly. But they look fantastic, and, you know, it's 94 degrees here today, so ankles loose. Good shoes. Good work, Neil. Thank you, Ben. You're welcome. The way to acquire shoes and boots like the ones that we're wearing is to be a customer. You are the kind of person who services them, which we'll keep saying. I feel like there's something of an art to being a great customer that gets you great customer service. But we're going to tell you right up front, as far as the three of us are concerned, all of whom have extensive experience in the customer service industry, the way to get great customer service is to be a great customer. And that's a lot of what we're going to help everybody with today. Would you guys say that that is accurate, inaccurate, even though we've all agreed beforehand that it's accurate. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. That's generally my philosophy. And I do pride myself on getting good customer service. Most places that I go, I like to kind of get in and be like a regular places and kind of prove myself as a customer, you know, and really show that I'm somebody that if you if you take care of me, I'll take care of you that I, I do have, 
your business's interests at heart that I'm I'm thinking about your situation, what what the deal looks like from from the from your side, right? It's easy to say like, well, I'm buying this expensive thing and I I have incredibly high expectations for that. And that's, you know, I think that's fair, but you can kind of get your expectations a little bit more dialed in if you you think a little bit broader about what's going on. And I also like to just like try to be a cool guy. Like I go to this pizza place in my town like all the time, especially like during lockdown. It was like pretty much the only restaurant I would go to because uh, they would do like the thing where, you know, they put the food in the trunk of your car. And I thought that was really rad. And then when I went back, once it was finally like, oh, you know, we're, we're back open. You can come back inside. You know, the owner was like, hey, man, like I know I haven't seen you in a long time, but I've seen that you've ordered like a ton of food. You've been like supporting me this whole time. And he gave me a hat. It, like meant a lot to me to be like, you know what? Like I did feel like I was supporting this business and he, he felt that and he gave me this sweet hat. Would you have rather gotten pizza? I am very happy to purchase the pizza at full price. Aha. Uh-huh. It's worth it to me. I've never asked them for a discount. I've never looked for a discount because I value their products for what they are, which is high quality Italian food. Sometimes they'll kick me some extra rolls or something, right? Like a little small thing on the side where it costs them next to nothing, but I enjoy it. But yeah, it's like you think about all this stuff and it's like, yeah, this is a a restaurant. They're going through this, you know, difficult time. You know what they need is they need me as a customer to just like show up every week and like spend $80 on rigatoni with vodka sauce that I'm just going to like eat for breakfast all week. That worked out great for me. It worked out great for them. They're still in business and gained like 15 pounds last year. So win-win. You look great. I think you bring up a great point there where a lot of times... You're like, all right, I'm in with this place. Everybody loves me. I'm buying all sorts of stuff from them. Where's the free shit? Sometimes that does happen, and it's great. And, you know, in certain places, there's like a buyback culture in bars where if you buy a couple drinks, you'll get a third drink free, and then you tip even bigger, and, like, everybody's winning, and you're probably still kind of breaking even, but everybody's, like, happy and psyched about it. That's nice, and it's much better than everything being purely transactional and, like, not happy or tense or, you know, whatever the kind of negative possibilities are. I think that in a lot of ways the right way to look at it is running a business is tough. It's expensive. The way that businesses have figured out how to stay in business is to sell things for a certain price, and if you like that business— And the people in there simply buying those things at that price and and getting the opportunity to do that in the future because they're still open and everybody feels great about that is, to me, like kind of the core of being a great customer, that understanding. Free shit shouldn't be the only thing that you're looking for, and a great experience should be maybe paramount. But there are other things that can come from great customer service other than just a nice experience and like a pat on the back that I think are like worth considering. So everybody like keeps listening to this as we preach about like how to be a great customer because there can be a payoff. Right, Neil? Yeah, there totally can be. What are you what are you gonna promise everybody who's awesome to you <laughs> from Standard and Strange Forever? Oh man. They need to know. All right. Well, what I want to say is that, you know, at the end of the day, it's humans interacting with humans. And for us at Standard and Strange, you know, we have people that we really like. They're just a joy. They're really pleasant to work with. We have more than a transactional, they buy stuff, we ship them stuff or sell them stuff relationship. So for those people, we'll just jump out of our ass. We'll go the extra mile for them because we trust them. We want to act in their best interest because they're also acting in our best interests. So like what we'll do is we'll give people uh, an early heads up or access to a really hot release that we're putting together that we know is going to sell out. Pretty good. Yeah. We'll do video calls with them. Like if they have a question, they want to, you know, they're interested in something and it's going to be a pretty complicated conversation we'll just pick up the phone or do a video chat and spend an hour or more with them just to make sure that we can give them the info that they want and just have a good time with them so there was another time when we hand delivered something to a guy in san francisco who needed his order really quick because he had an important job thing the next day that's cool and he let you know about that and he's like look i i would love this but like i need it now and can you do it he actually didn't say that he needed it now he 
he told us that he needed he had an important thing on this day and we were like you know what would be the best thing is let's just drive it over to him because i don't trust the postal service to get this to him on time and he had called and we had talked to him and he was a really nice just chill pleasant guy was he like a longtime customer or did you just sense that this was the time to do something big for somebody He'd come in into the our Oakland store a couple times and then ordered something online and called us about it. That's pretty cool. Normally, like we hem jeans at our store and it can take a few days, even a couple weeks, depending on how many we have to do. But we'll just do an on the spot hem for him and it'll be done in 20 or 30 minutes. One time um, you sent me a bunch of candy in uh, a shoebox. That's pretty standard. I didn't even have to be a good customer to get the candy. But that's like an offensive move right there you know it's like no 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 no. like we're we're doing this too have some candy we don't know you you might not deserve this candy but we're going to presume that you do kind of or you just have a lot of candy that you want to get rid of we just want people to be stoked when they open a box from us you know you have to focus on the experience and sometimes that's not just about the product i love it when i get like a little little extra treat yeah uh, sometimes we'll also, if someone buys their first pair of engineer boots, we will throw in a children's book about engineering. Wait, I thought that was just me, and I felt really <laughs> special when that happened. No, that was just for you. Especially because I just had a baby who, uh, you know, even at three months old, had expressed a significant interest in the field of engineering. But I loved it. But that was like, look, when you sent that, there was some cool stickers. You also sent, you, I, I imagine you took the time at least to print and possibly create a simple engineering test, which I found impossible and pretended to pass. I think I like wrote a, maybe a minus on it and sent you a picture, you know, because I'm getting my first pair of engineer boots and obviously you need to be an accredited engineer to own them. Like that was like, okay, this is great. I love it. And then like I kept going and like there was this book and I had just, well, my wife had just had this kid my my first son and here's this book and like it actually really like meant a ton even though it was like kind of a gag you know or maybe it wasn't maybe it was dead serious that kind of stuff I think goes so far to establishing the idea that we do good customer service and and we're doing it because we think it's fun and we think it's nice we're not necessarily expecting reciprocity like I didn't I didn't send you like you know an LSAT prep test back and say like complete this and return it but like it was wonderful and it meant something and i would say very very rarely happens um you know especially from like huge brands and shops like it simply doesn't to me that's one of the really nice things about purchasing something from a smaller shop or smaller retailer because they have like the bandwidth to do it and they haven't lost the script that every customer is important which makes me care and and makes me want to come back personally to get more books for children. When we do nice things for people, it's because we want to and because it makes us feel good. Like everyone wants to have a good experience on both ends of it. When I'm working all day, I don't want it to be a slog. Like it's more fun for you too. It's way more fun for me. And it's just like other things that we'll do for people that we have a, a good relationship with will extend or break our return policies for people. I had a guy buy a jacket from us a couple years ago. He damaged the sleeve zipper on his leather jacket. I had him ship it over to us and we're going to have it repaired by a local tailor here that can do the replacement because there's no one nearby him. We're going to just pay for the shipping and I'll run it over to him and take a bunch of time out of my day to do it, but it's because I want to. Like I want his jacket to get fixed even though it was it's not really a problem that we should solve. It's not necessarily our responsibility after all this time. But like I know him, I like him, he's he's good people, and uh, I want to take care of him. And like you're both kind of connected to that particular product too, you know? Like you're both invested in the happiness that one could have from wearing that jacket, so let's keep it going. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's... It's a cool view. Like, especially when it's like a collab that we do that I came up with, this is like... One of my weird little children I've released in the world and sold to people for money. There's a lot of emotional investment in it for me. Like I want people to love it and enjoy it and patina it and have the whole see a similar experience that I have with it. Another thing I want to add is that you don't have to spend a bunch of money 
to get this types of service. It, there's, you know, you don't have to just buy a bunch of stuff and expect to be treated like royalty in return. Most of it comes down to just how you treat other people, you know? People will generally mirror how you treat them. Definitely one more here. And this is one of the questions that I get most and we talk about constantly on this show. How do you get Alden Rare Shell? Uh, which doesn't really apply to you at Standard and Strange, I think. Huh. His silence indicates that he does have a shitload of Alden <laughs> Rare Shell that he hasn't told me about. Like, the answer, the simple answer, and we've said it here before, like, buy stuff and be cool. Yeah. It's like, that's this thing. That's this thing that everybody wants that nobody can get. It's possible that that was a one-off children's engineering book, but, like, you can order that on Amazon. It's available. I'm thrilled about it, but, like, I'm not the only person that has it. There's this thing that, that nobody can get, and, like, time, you have to wait. But really, it's be a great customer. What's the number one step of being a great customer? Be a customer. Buy something. And then just, like, be a cool person who, in the right way, lets them know that that you can get this. Like, there's basically no way to get that one thing that a lot of people want without being a good customer. And the return is exactly what you're looking for. Like, there, there is a true reward there that some would consider even better than a free hem and someone it's just be memorable right i think that's right the first rare shell that i ever got uh was from city shoes in new york not a store i had frequented before that i had started talking to the manager on instagram like just kind of organically i liked his style i liked how he dressed i liked his taste in shoes and like we just kind of got to chatting you know and then i went into the store really vibed right off the bat and I wasn't angling for it you know if you go in and try to like push for something like that like it can come off as really not genuine you know you want to just be like hey I'm here to just meet a cool guy and talk about shoes and and and, you know whatever and at the end of it he was like hey BT dubs we got some whiskey tankers coming in you know I'll put you on the list if you're interested you could get pretty far by just being a cool chill genuine person you know, and I think that's true for not just this, but for a lot of things in life. That's like kind of a kind of a mantra I have to try to keep myself centered on like, yeah, just go into every interaction trying to not get anything, not win. Just go into it being like, hey, how can I like how can I vibe with this person and create an experience that's great for both of us? You know, and you get the opportunity to pay nine hundred dollars for a pair of boots and you're like, yeah, <laughs> I'm stoked to drop yeah nine hundred dollars on some sweet Aldens. But yeah, man, yeah, it's, you know, you'd be surprised how far you can get with just being cool without even dropping a ton of cash at a place. It's more than just, you could drop a lot of cash and like be kind of a dick and nobody's going to give you anything special. You know what I mean? And if you are like somebody who's really entitled and really feels like, well, you know, I I did this, so you have to do this. It's like, well, that's not how anything works. And there's a more elegant solution to to getting what you want, and it's just being a cool person and just being open and respectful and understanding, you know, of, of whatever what's going on. Eventually, you start vibing with people who give you good customer service, and you're you're drawn to them, and you're gonna keep going back to them. I've bought a couple pairs of boots from my buddy Voltaire. You know, he now has his own shop. He still does incredibly dope Alden makeups. He he came to my kid's birthday party. You could take this to another level. You probably don't need to take it to, to that level that I do, but, uh, you know. <laughs> don't don't randomly show up at other people's kids' birthday parties. His long game was free cake. He's like, I know how to get some cake. <laughs> One of those short containers of Pringles. Yeah, I'm good. well, you know what? There were Wegmans cupcakes at this event. so I would work for years for that. He was right on. Yeah, he was right on. That's, you know, why we do this podcast is you're just you're just trying to score some Wegmans sheet cake off of me. Yeah, guess what? It worked. And I, and I ate it for like a week. When you walk into a small business, you're basically walking into their living room that's open to the public, which is how I feel about it. When people walk into any of my stores, like I've put a ton of time making this store, trying to make it like hospitable, look nice, smell nice and be nice to people. And people who I want to stick around who are cool. I'm going to go the extra mile to ensure that. But people who are jerks or just rude, I'm going to just hope that they leave quickly. I 100% agree with that. And, you know, that was the philosophy that I had when I was managing the Taft store. We even set it up so it kind of looked like a living room because we were like, 
yeah, like everybody, you know, this is the first store they've ever had. Like everybody else has been buying their stuff like in their own living room, sitting on their couch, on a, on their laptop, on their phone. Like, let's just kind of extend that, except there's a bunch of shoes here you can look at, which is cool. You, we would kind of treat people like, yeah, you're coming into our, our home and we're going to treat you like guests, you know, like I would if you came to my house. And likewise, if you come into my house and you're a jerk to me, like... You're, I'm not going to be excited to ever see you again. For customers there that would kind of vibe with that, you know what I mean? Like they picked up on like, hey, this is a really homey place and they kind of felt at home. You know, I had a customer who I sold a pair of boots to. He came back uh, a couple months later and he's like, dude, I bought some boots here. I absolutely love them. I was moving and I set them on top of my car and then I went back inside to get another box, and somebody stole the boots off the top of my car. What? And he, like, came in, and he was just telling me the story. Like, yeah, he was like, I just got them broken in. They were so comfortable. They're, like, my favorite boots. And then somebody stole them off the top of my car while I was moving. And he didn't come in saying, replace the boots, make me whole. You know, he didn't have it. He just was telling me this story. And I was like, okay. And it was a pair of boots that we had, like, discontinued. It wasn't even on the website anymore. I looked. We had, like, a couple pairs left in the warehouse. One of them was his size. And I was like, dude, I got you. And I ordered one of the pairs. I brought it in. He came and picked it up. He was like, I can't believe that you did this. And I was like, yeah, I did it because you didn't ask me to. You just came in here and were a cool, genuine guy. You obviously had, you know, genuine emotioned about like having these boots stolen. Like he obviously felt really bad about it. And I was like, you know what? It's really easy for me to just replace these because they are discontinued like we're not we're not even trying to sell them so they're just taking up space in the warehouse why not use that to give somebody a a amazing customer service experience and make them feel like oh my god like this this company the store really had my back when something went wrong i don't know if he's ever bought another pair doesn't matter right but he had a killer experience i hope he's telling people that story like that's really all all you can hope for it feels good to do that for somebody if you're a customer who wants to have retailers go above and beyond like that for you, you got to play the long game of like being a cool, respectful person throughout all your interactions with them. Like you don't know when something's going to go wrong and when you're going to need something and when you're going to need a retailer to stretch a rule or call a warehouse somewhere and get something sent over, you know, that they don't have or like do something extra for you. You know, you want to build that solid foundation of a relationship already you know you don't want to be coming in like hey sorry sorry about all those emails i sent you and like sorry i yelled at you on the phone and but like i need you to do you know some crazy thing for me it's like it's not gonna happen you gotta you gotta play the long game on that man that was a really good story (laughs) (laughs) it was it was damn it's a payoff yeah like we kind of mentioned it earlier but maybe haven't said it in these exact words it's interesting because it's a transaction, right? There's a store, there's a, a brand with a shop online, whatever it is, and like you're transacting, you're exchanging money for goods. But not making it transactional should be the goal for everybody involved, which is strange because that's what it is, but it actually works. Yeah, I love that. Man, yeah, it's that because it has the there's the possibility that that interaction can be so much more than you just buying stuff to make yourself not naked, right? Which may, many don't even consider important. At least at the the beach that I used to go to as a child, and when you walk further down, they clearly hadn't bought much stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't they weren't terribly attractive either. Which is fine. That's also fine. All right, so we are going to be giving advice on how to be this great customer and how to have that come back around, and we think it's all very, very, very worthwhile, but a lot of that is rooted in our past experience. Now, Neil, you've been doing this for quite some time. I imagine even when you were wearing a hazmat suit and like doing radiation work, which is insane, by the way. There's a customer there who's like, I got too much radiation again. Get rid of it, Neil. There's that relationship. And and basically, you know, anything in in business, real customer service. You've been doing this at Standard & Strange for a long time. Patrick, you know, you worked at the Taft store and some other things that I think are worth mentioning. My first job was working in a bar until 3 or 4 in the morning when I was 14 or 15 somehow. And I had to, like, get somebody to drive me home who... Hopefully, didn't have too many shift drinks. Being a barback, 
in a bar that was like kind of classy ish, but like it was a bar that was open until three in the morning. I learned what that was like. I once spilled an entire tray of waters, like four waters on a bunch of nuns that were in like their <laughs> nun outfits. <laughs> in for lunch getting like steak sandwiches. Like that mortified me. I was like, I am not serving these particular nun customers right now very well. How do I do this better? Uh, I'm gonna talk to somebody about like how to hold how do you hold these trays? Like that's actually something that I did when I was fourteen and a half years old. After college, I worked in an Irish pub, and I was a server, I was a door guy, I was I was all these different things. It makes you realize how hard the daily life is of every single person who does that. Since then, through my own experiences and my own decisions, have chosen to be only the best customer that's in a restaurant. And this isn't like, I guess it kind of is, me like puffing out my chest and being like, whoa, whoa, look at me. But it's actually just my worldview. Like, if I have terrible service at a restaurant, they get a 20% tip. If I have good service, they're probably getting 25%. And depending on how expensive the meal is, if I have great service, it's like 30% or possibly more. And like the same at, at a bar, if I'm even just like getting a drink. And part of that is you realize like that these people live on tips and all that. But it's like some customers and sometimes most in a restaurant are just not great to deal with. So be the good one. You know, I, I try to apply that to everything that I can in anything. And I don't always succeed. Like the shit part of this is that we're all fallible and we're telling you how to do it better. And we don't necessarily expect everybody to be incredibly like superb at this all the time. But as a general worldview, I think it is important to like approach it as such, you know, hope that you're having a good day too if you're having a bad one to at least stop and think about like what the person on the other side feels like. Cause it, it's a grind, man. Like all these jobs are grinds. Use your empathy. Yeah. Be the empathy person. So this is another, you know, I have a few policies lined up for if, and when I become president of the United States. What do you mean? If yeah, it's when one of my rules is, is that everybody at some point, has to work at a restaurant for like a year because nothing nothing will help you understand empathy more than working at a restaurant and just like getting dumped on by people about their food because people are like super specific about their food obviously like and if you're a server food you didn't cook yeah like you don't cook the food well the restaurant i worked at i did cook the food and like help the customer so you were culpable then so i was like sometimes culpable but like most of the time mostly not the situation at, at restaurants right just having people talk to you like you're not even a person, having people just not acknowledge that you are a human being, you know, like there's just no no acknowledgement of any humanity on the other side of that cash register. It is just you are an entity that is bringing me chimichangas. After you get dumped on like that, I worked at a restaurant for like four years. After like six months of, of that, you start to understand that oh the people who are like really angry at you you know who are really treating you poorly they don't have any issue with you you know they have an issue with themselves they leave your restaurant and you don't have to deal with them anymore but like they still have to deal with themselves it changes your perspective a little bit to just be like okay there's probably something else going on here there's something else at play to explain why this person is yelling at me at a restaurant like you're never gonna figure it out with like the boot stuff though you can usually kind of figure it out right i mean say somebody like pre-orders a pair of boots from you neil you've provided like the best sizing advice you can like over the internet which is like a tough thing to do maybe there's delays you know obviously like a lot of supply chain stuff is jacked up so the, the boots show up late they don't fit everything's gone wrong right and the customer's just upset you know and they're yelling at you about about it yeah like if you think about it from their perspective like they plunked down a bunch of money for a pre-order went through a whole process with you they tried their best to to get everything right with the sizing and they're upset you know they had this whole you know this whole expectation of like what this experience was going to be and it's gone wrong you know it's easy to understand why somebody would be angry in that situation like you're not really i guess we're not really saying like you can't be upset right like it's okay to be upset and and feel that if something goes wrong you still have to remember that the other person is also a person, right? 
and has humanity and that you do need to respect that and was likely not responsible personally right and even if they were right even if they were even if it was 100 percent neil's fault he messed up he put in the wrong size or something like that you know on the order that's definitely happened which which happens right yeah when that does happen I don't bullshit people. I don't try to rush them through it. If I legitimately screwed up and put in the wrong size and ordered it, then I'll own up to it and be like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I screwed up on this. I put in the wrong size. This is totally my fault. I will do my best to take care of you. You know, and I would offer a couple of solutions and see what they want to do. And in a lot of cases, like with pre-orders and things like that, there's only so much I can do because I'm not making the boots. And sometimes... The, one of the possible solutions will work out. Sometimes it won't, but, you know, in the end, if it's something that I legitimately screwed up, then the best I can do is give someone their money back. Going through and finding all those solutions, you know, are you are you more likely to kind of stretch and give like a more extraordinary solution for somebody who who comes back to you and says, hey, man, like these boots are the wrong size. I think you messed it up, but like... It's all cool. How can we make this right? You know, approach you also looking for solutions, right? Instead of somebody who comes back and is like kind of yelling at you, not really interested in solutions, right? You're just interested in like kind of venting some frustration or getting those feelings out a little bit. I mean, I, I guess you would say you give everybody good customer service, but who who are you more likely to kind of stretch for, right? I mean, no one likes being yelled at, even if you deserve it. So yeah, like yeah, like how yeah, like how does the how does the approach of a customer bringing up an issue, you know, how does that affect how you respond? I guess is my question. I mean, how I would say that is, yeah, someone's definitely going. It's going. They're going to get a smoother experience if they bring something up in a really respectful way, you know, cause we, we deal with a lot of really just complex cases sometimes. So if it's something where, if it's like a guy's calling up and he's angry and he's yelling the issue at hand, if maybe it's kind of his fault, he ignored our sizing advice or he didn't read about the product and was surprised about something that we wrote in the product description, then I'm a lot less likely to really go out of my way and bend a rule or break a rule for someone if they're being rude to me. But if they come to me and they say, hey, look, man, like, I know I should have caught this, but I didn't, like, I kind of screwed up. Um, Is there anything you can do? I'm going to be way more likely to jump out of my ass and go the extra mile for him. All right, look, I feel like already I'm a better customer. Surely everybody else is too. But we've established that we've all been through the ringer. Uh, and that provides perspective, which is good and just, you know, kind of turns you into a kinder human, which I think is important. You've established that some good things can happen if you are a good customer, which kind of apparent, but I'm very glad that we said it. I think we need to get into some tactical stuff in terms of how do you do it? Like, how do you really, really do it? So we got to take a quick break and come up with those things and we write back with the customer service cast, customer cast, yeah. So, Ticho, as you know, there are a lot of different ways to offer great customer service. If you could make a short list of things that a boot brand could offer you to provide exceptional customer service, what would that list include? A big part of having a good experience with a brand or, you know, really anybody else that you're dealing with is just like having some understanding of who they are and what they're all about, you know, being able to kind of get a little bit deeper in. It's like kind of the best way to like get the real inside scoop. Best case scenario, I become friends with these people. I'd say on my list is create a relationship that ultimately leads to me inviting someone from your company to my kid's birthday party. Is that available? Well, let's definitely keep that open. But basically, you like to get to know the people behind a brand and and learn about it from them, right? Somewhat directly. Nick's Boots has a pretty cool way to get to know them and learn about the brand, which is this series of videos on their YouTube channel that show how they make their boots, how to size, 
behind the scenes rebuilds, how to lace your boots different ways, how to condition them, and the answer to the eternal question, why are my new boots squeaking so much? Uh, And then one of my favorites, which covers all the options that NYX offers that they think you should consider not getting, even though that would make them more money. If you want quote unquote normal, everyday, really workable boots, it's not for like a dude who climbs telephone poles all day long. You should watch that one. It's pretty great. They're like, your boots are going to be fine. They're very well made. You don't need a lineman shank on your like boots that you wear to your accounting office. Uh, I loved it. And our boy Grant from Nyx does all the videos and is quite charming. You kind of feel like you're best friends with him by the time it's over and, you know, birthday party invite. So that's cool. Can't wait to see Grant at this thing. It's it's going to be great to get him out there. Just keep everybody away from the bouncy castle. I do own a bouncy castle. That is true. We'll work on that with, with Nyx, I guess. We'll get somebody out to my birthday party. You've established that this is what you want. This is like the final thing that really solidifies fantastic customer service for you presents at a birthday party and they have to bring a present i guess right i mean i'd prefer it doesn't have to be big it's like some leather swatches kids love leather swatches shoelaces could get dangerous but like just a leather swatch or whatever is, is pretty tight i'm gonna check with them on that but in the meantime you dear listeners should check out nicksboots.com follow them on instagram listen to our pacific northwest bootmaker histories episode from a couple seasons ago and learn just the crazy story of nick Belushin, founder of nick's boots Cue up those evites. Check them out. Love you, Nick's boots. And now, back to the service cast. All right, we're back here to service all you wonderful customers who don't pay anything for this podcast. Uh, we've got Neil from Standard and Strange. We talked about some general concepts about how to be a great customer, which results in incredible customer service coming back around. But let's get tactical. How do do you do this? Like if you were like, okay, I've experienced a lot of things that have gone wrong with customers just behaving in a way that is not endearing to the people who can give them excellent service. What is the right way to do it? So developing a real relationship can take time. You don't want to rush that. It's something that happens organically and naturally. The more effort you put into it, the more you're going to get back generally. Let's keep beating on that one because I think it is really important. Even more specific, like what what should we do? What should I do? You want to consistently be pleasant and nice and just a joy to work with, like a memorably good person. I love it when someone comes into the store and we talk for a while, even if they don't buy anything and they leave and I just say, man, that was just like, what a nice person. I'm like, just glad he came in today. I'll work on that. People who bring us snacks or beer or anything like that, that's going the extra mile. Nice people. Great people. We have a guy who will come in maybe once a month. He'll drive up from San Jose and he'll bring us donuts. And I fucking love it every time that guy comes in. And it's not about the donuts. About, it's about us, you know, having a donut together and catching up and, you know, talking to each other. If that, if that guy invited you to his kid's birthday party, would you go, Neil? I would go. I would go to I would go to his birthday party. Or his kid's birthday party. That's pretty rad, man. Yeah. Are you talking about Calvin? I'm talking about Calvin. Calvin. Those donuts were legit and he was like, Oh, I'm really sorry they're like a little bit old because we drove up here from yeah, wherever. They were still fantastic. It was a great donut. Yeah. I ate them for two days afterwards. They were great two days later. <sighs> and then every time I had a donut I remembered what an awesome guy Calvin is. But rarely is it necessary to yell at someone. So don't do that. I mean, problems can happen. People make mistakes. But yelling is not is not going to get you anywhere. You're not going to make much progress if you yell at people. Uh, just remember that someone on the other side of that interaction is going to mirror what you start with, right? So if you start with yelling, there's probably a, there's a better chance that you might get yelled at back. There are times when it is warranted for you to be rude uh, or even a dick to someone. Comcast comes to mind. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> but thank God not everyone is Comcast. All right. Well, so what do, you, what do you do if there is a problem and you want it dealt with? As a customer, I've got a legitimate problem. I'm, I'm actually not thrilled about it. Like, I'm disappointed. I'm let down. This isn't what I expected. Whatever that problem is, like, what should I do? Apparently not start screaming. What is it? 
you should express your dissatisfaction, but in a very straightforward and calm way. Like, I'm disappointed at this because reasons. But here's the key point. Offer a solution to the outcome. Tell them what would make you happy. This happened. I'm disappointed for these reasons. Would you consider doing this? Is that like a starting point? Is that like a, okay, I guess it depends. But the idea of presenting a solution instead of waiting for them to come up with the solution and you expecting that they have it at the ready is, that's pretty interesting. Like the outcome has to be reasonable. Understand that, you know, their policies are there for a reason and policies sometimes do get broken or extended or changed. But unless it's an extenuating circumstance, you don't want to come at them expecting them to just break all the rules for you just because you had a problem. I would call that reasonable. Reasonable. Yeah, be reasonable. The other thing is if you can be straight and to the point and spare the person a long rambling story of your dog ran away and then you had to drive across town to find the dog and it was all because the boots were late or something like that, keep it concise to the point. If a situation's getting really just hairy and complicated and really frustrating and you find yourself getting really worked up about it, take a break. Let yourself cool down. Come at it with a clear head if it's one of these just kind of a slog of a situation. I'm again, I'm thinking of Comcast here. <laughs> but if you take a break from Comcast, you're never going to get them back on the phone for like three days. You got to tough it out. It's true. I'm just trying to think of things that have put me into such a rage. Right, but Comcast is like a Kafka novel. <laughs> Luckily, most of the world so far isn't. There are certain places that you simply know you're not going to get good or even decent customer service from. Like, they're actually trained to do the opposite. At least that's how I see it. And you kind of have to fight through it. You know, spend your bullets there and just realize that not everybody like is that or is actually instructed to do that. Which I think is important. You know, but even like whenever I get the next Comcast person on the phone or, you know, whatever horrific utility that you're dealing with that is meant to be this Byzantine web that you can't navigate so you just give up. When I get the next person on the phone, I'll generally like start out apologizing. I'll be like, look, I know this hasn't. I'm sorry that like we had to escalate this to you. It is a frustrating process for me. I'm trying to figure it out. And like just that reset allows you to possibly get to what you want because even those people are still real people like they are like once you get through you know punching buttons for 45 minutes i think that there's something to that i think that people appreciate that like look i'm i'm sorry this has gone wrong and i'm not thrilled about it at all but like i know that you're just doing your job which i i think goes a long way and isn't just a line really oh it it absolutely does Customer service people take so much shit and negativity from people. If you can be that person that when they first talk to you, that you immediately sort of put them at ease and make them know that you're not going to scream at them and, and insult them, you've already come a long way. Like you've, you've set up that interaction to succeed as best as you can. All right. This is all really good. Let's get even more tactical. So I feel like a lot of things go wrong in communication. And I'm very guilty of this where it's your problem. You need something solved. You've got all the time in the world to solve your problem. But the person on the other end is dealing with 62 other people who also have a problem. And that's often forgotten. And like, it's not always a problem either. Like, you know, we ran this story on stitchdown.com about how to order boots from Indonesia and, and from China and to do it in this respectful way. And the thing that everybody doesn't think about is that these people are operating at Instagram DMs and they just have all these requests flooding in and it's very difficult to keep track of. Like fight the solipsism. You're not the only person that exists that wants to buy something or has an issue with something that they bought. How do we do communication right hyper hyper specifically? You want to figure out who to get in touch with and who's the best person for your particular issue, not the most important person. How do you do that? How do you figure out who the right person is? You ask. Okay. A good website will tell you all this. What's, you know, how to get in touch with them. 
Email is always the best way to get in touch. It's the easiest platform to manage a bunch of different messages because there's things like help desk software. Instagram DM is not the best way to get a hold of someone generally. It just makes it a lot harder because you have to look up this information from all these different sources. If someone placed an order and they hit you up on Instagram DM and they say that there's an issue, I have to ask them a bunch of questions to figure out like who they are and look up their order to look up their info to see, you know. Wait, are people's Instagram names not their real names? No, they're not their real names. That's weird. This changes my outlook quite a bit. I mean, we know that that's true for our our guy, David Vcleet. so. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes, the old Vcleet lineage. Old shoe money. Instagram is best for quick questions that can be answered in a couple replies. But for anything more complicated than that, it's really, it's best to just go to email. Especially if it's about an order that you've placed. And you want to make sure that you email them from the same email address you place the oh, order that's good. with. Yeah. It just makes it a lot easier uh, and a lot less time consuming to look up your info so that they can help you. What else you got? This is good. I'm writing all this down. Okay. If you're going to contact them about about an order, give them as much info as you can to make it as easy for them to look up your case and understand it and help you. So you want to send them your order number. Oh. That's what those are for. Yeah. You could even just reply to the order confirmation email if that's got it in there. They can look that up. Send photos if photos are necessary, but make sure they're good photos. Uh, Sometimes we'll get photos from people where they're they're not sure if there's an issue with the leather on their boots and they send us photos and they're out of focus or the color's off and I, I just can't tell. But sometimes a phone call is best. So rather than send 20 emails back and forth that'll take hours or even days, you can just spend 20 minutes on the phone with someone. When, when do you know? Like as a customer, I was just told by you, customer servicer, to always send an email. Now you just told me to call. So when should I do that? When your issue will result in many, many emails, like you've got complicated sizing or there's a complex styling issue and you need advice on how to wear something or if something's time sensitive, that's a great time to pick up the phone for a retailer. You need something shipped overnight or express shipping or there's something like that. The phone will be quicker. Or if just the email communication is slow or it's like unclear and it's one of those situations where email is just not the right medium for your issue. Could be something where there's just a lot of back and forth on the email and you just want to kind of cut to the chase. And because you can handle 20 emails worth of info in 10 or 15 minutes on the phone. So, you know, you got to kind of get a feel for that, I guess, as a customer and make the right call. And the thing that I keep thinking about here is that as a customer, if there's extended communication, if there's all this back and forth, like it's frustrating you too. It's frustrating the, the servicer and it's also frustrating you and nobody's winning there. You know, I think a lot of times in life, people tend to take shortcuts that end up being, you know, the long cut. And I think this is a great example of it. Like, take a minute to think it through and how to do this properly and how to get the answer that that you have requested as quickly as possible. But it does take a little effort on your end, right? Like, is that a solid way to look at it? That's a great way to look at it. Ah, such a good customer periodically. Yeah, you are. A lot of what we've been talking about is like, you got a problem, you need it fixed. Can you fix it for me? You know, I imagine that that's a lot of what comes up in your day to day. Also, especially, you know, in the area that this particular shoe cast covers is, you know, stuff like sizing, which everybody struggles with. Like, what's the best way to figure out my size? That might be like, we might shorten the episode down to like just this and it'll be either one minute or 50. The more sizing info you can give us, the better. Know your Brannock size, both length and width. Any other boots that you have that fit you well, uh, give us that info too. You know, I wear 10D on this last, but it's tight in the toe box or it's really wide because we do a lot of um, comparative sizing because we know how a lot of different boots fit. How you like your boots to fit 
to if you're okay with them being a little bit loose or if I like a really snug fit. The more info you give us of how we can imagine that we have your feet. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one step further and recommend having a sizing hypothesis. Like go into it. You've already done some work. You've already looked at stuff online. Maybe you, you know, you, you hit up some people on Instagram who own, own the boots that you're looking at. You know, have an idea of like what you think the answer is. You know, don't just go into it and say, hey, I'm a 11 Brannock. What size am I? You know, go into it and say, hey, look, I'm an 11 Brannock. I like my boots to fit a little bit larger. I like to wear thicker socks. These are some of my best fits. You know, I love True Balance. A 10D True Balance is just perfect when I wear these medium socks. So I feel like if I'm wearing, you know, these clinch engineers that like this is gonna you know gonna be my size and then you can go come back and say well yeah i've taken you know taking all that into account i might recommend something different you know based on my experience whatever but you you start the conversation kind of like three quarters of the way in instead of starting it all the way at the beginning you know it's a little bit more efficient to go into it with you know, an idea of what you, you think the answer is as well. And if you don't know, I mean, if you literally can't come up with a hypothesis because you just don't have enough information you haven't tried enough stuff on, like, that's fine. And you can explain that and say, hey, look, I'm kind of new to this. I don't really know what's going on here. But I do know that, like, a berry last fits me really well in a 10 and a half D. And, like, that's all the information I have, you know. But just being open about that and just being like, this is my situation, you know, is always going to get you a better recommendation. A lot of people hit me up uh, on Instagram to just ask for sizing advice, especially for, you know, Indonesian stuff, Chinese stuff, stuff that you really can't try on anywhere. So going to somebody who has experience with it makes the most sense. Some people will write me these like, you know, huge paragraphs about all the sizes that they like and all this kind of stuff. And I usually can just like answer those messages with like, you're a 42 and a half, like you're a, a 42 E, you know, something like something like that, where people are like real vague about it. I then have to ask a bunch of questions and it's like, you know, first of all, this isn't really my my job. I'm happy to help people do this because I, I, I like helping people get get, you know, buy proper properly sized boots. But like now I have to do all this work of asking yeah, you all yeah. those all the questions to draw that information out, you know. So if you just come I'm never gonna be upset if I get this huge long rant from somebody, you know, in my Instagram inbox because it's gonna have all the information I need to to make a the best recommendation I can right off the bat, you know. Consolidated. Follow up question, Neil, and and Ticho. You do strongly recommend unsocked pictures of feet being sent to you right never never <laughs> never <laughs> well how do you tell you asked for as much information as you could possibly get uh how about the feet right like i don't want to see your bare feet even if they're beautiful feet i just don't go down to dsw find their brannock device that you know have hiding under a bunch of socks or something take a fit we have a guy in the the stitch down discord uh shout out to chinese broccoli who has everybody just send them pictures of their feet on Brannock devices. The greatest of them all. We love you. And then he reads it for them because like whatever, the Brannock device is kind of wacky. It helps to have a second set of eyes on on that measurement, especially if you're you're at a DSW, you don't have access to, you know, like a really skilled uh, shoe salesman locally who can, you know, give you a, a, a really accurate reading. And like he he does that. I'm not really interested in seeing everybody's feet. Well, we all see him there. But you know, just uh, send send them to uh, send them to Chinese Broccoli. He's on Reddit, same name. You can find him. And, and if you're like wondering, he'll he'll take a look at it, and he's great at it. Yeah. Anybody who's really wondering about their size, sit down Premium Discord Chinese Broccoli. We'll hook you up. We're all gonna chip in and buy you some boots for <laughs> your, frankly incredible work. Extremely the most skilled Viberg sizer on earth. He's never been wrong. Yeah. Another thing I'll say for you know if you're coming into this real cold. You don't know your Brannock. You don't know your size in like really anything. You're going to need a higher level of customer service, right? So where, you know, where should you look to buy your first pair of boots if you just have no clue what size your feet even are? My recommendation for that would be find, go, go through someone, you know, like Neil, go through a retailer that is going to provide an elevated level of customer service for you, right? Yeah, maybe you can buy something cheaper from, you know, some random website somewhere. But, like, if you go through someone who is really skilled at, at sizing people, 
even remotely, or you have a better shot at it. The other thing you can do is go through, you know, a brand like Wesco White's Nix, shout out to Nix, sponsor of, the, of this episode, who fits you based on tracings, you know, who who has like a f- standard fit sheet that they can like send you. You trace your feet, trace your feet is a little tricky, but like you can watch a YouTube video about it. Then it's going to be read by somebody who really knows how to read those things. And they can tell you, hey, you are, you know, a 10 double E, you know, in, in these Wescos, right? Now you've got a really good sizing comparison that is based on a tracing of your foot. So it's just, it's a very good piece of information to have. The other thing, if, you, if that's like not your vibe, you're just not into the Pacific Northwest stuff, which like you should be, because uh, they're pretty dope but maybe you're looking for something a little bit different. Sometimes you just got to like buy a bunch of stuff and try it on and then sell it. And I have absolutely purchased things that I had no intention of ever wearing just because I wanted to try them on because it was not accessible to me any other way except like buying something on eBay, trying it on and then reselling it on eBay. And that's a grind and it's annoying and it's a lot of work. But that's sometimes your only option for trying on certain lasts, especially if you're going to try to do some kind of like MTO with like, you know, you're trying to get some like St. Crispins or something, something really expensive, but you don't live near where, you know, they do any trunk shows or anything like that. But you're like, I got to get some St. Crispins, you know, buy something cheap on eBay. You know, it's still going to cost you a couple hundred bucks, right? St. Crispins. But like in the grand scheme of things, if you can figure out your size based on that and not have to deal with all this other stuff that we've kind of talked about, right? If you can avoid missizing your MTO St. Crispins, you know, that you're going to spend like upwards of 1500 bucks on, right? Maybe you're going to lose 150 bucks on it. Maybe you're going to lose 200 bucks on it. But is this, is that worth it to like nail your sizing on that? You know, sometimes it is. Those are my Ticho tips on figuring out your sizing. Ticho bro sizing theater. 3000. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, so Neil, we've covered a lot here. Everybody's been taking notes. There will be a quiz uh, in your next customer service experience. They probably won't give you a literal one unless you buy a pair of engineer boots from Neil, which you should. What's the one thing that you should never do as a customer? There's got to be something that you're like, are you serious? I can't believe that another person did this. They get no service. Like, what? what is it? There's got to be something, right? Chargebacks. Definitely chargebacks. What's a chargeback? Chargeback is when you call up your credit card company and basically make a claim to have them reverse the charge of something that you bought. Chargebacks are usually used for fraud. Someone stole your credit card info and bought something that you didn't buy. It can also be used for if you didn't receive an item um, or there's just a dispute with the merchant. Someone is taking advantage of you and that is your only recourse. But what you should never do is just do a chargeback to resolve a customer service issue where it's like you, if it's your fault, basically, like you bought something that wasn't eligible for return and you want to return it because it doesn't fit, don't do a chargeback. It's basically a nuclear option. And when you do a chargeback, it should be because you want to ban yourself from doing business with that company. You know, if you do a chargeback that's not warranted to a small business, you can expect to be banned from doing business with them too. We've banned customers for just basically trying to fraudulently do a chargeback. Worst case, someone bought a pair of boots that weren't eligible for return, there was nothing wrong with them. So they did a chargeback without trying to find a solution with us. And then they kept the boots. So not only did I lose the credit card payment from them, the sale, I also lost my inventory. So I got hit with a double whammy. Chargebacks are a pain in the ass for the business. They cost money, time, and energy. And what most people don't know is that credit card processors almost always side with the customer, even if they shouldn't. They can be abused fraudulently, which is capital F felony, interstate uh, wire fraud. And once a retailer loses a chargeback, they have zero recourse. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, so I would say if you're thinking about doing a chargeback, understand that that it's the nuclear option and exhaust all other possible way to solve your problem. I have done a chargeback for some boots. I was aware that that's the nuclear option. I I knew that it might get me banned from buying boots from this company, but you know, I'd ordered uh, you know, kind of through like a kind of like a group MTO kind of order. You know, they quoted a delivery time and they didn't didn't meet it. 
and just like weren't responding to my emails after a certain point and it was like oh okay like you've had my money for eight months on like a quoted four month delivery time there is like a time limit for chargebacks i think it's 90 days yeah i think i was like already my credit like i did the chargeback and my credit card company was like yeah you're host because there's nothing we can even do you know i kind of pushed it like i just you know I guess got some good customer service from my bank and they were like, yeah, like we understand the situation and we'll like, we'll initiate the chargeback. The company never responded to me ever. And I have purchased stuff from them again. (laughs) I'm I'm ashamed to admit that, but. uh... (laughs) You're banned from everywhere, possibly including this podcast. Chargebacks don't happen in situations where everyone is behaving as we've kind of described and being rational and communicating well and explaining what's going on and understanding what's going on and it's just not something you would you would do in that situation right if you're actually openly communicating with the opposing party right i think in those situations where yeah you're just kind of getting ghosted or whatever where you're getting in poor customer service where it's like okay fine you know i'm gonna do this thing that's kind of my only recourse here it's poor form you kind of didn't leave me any other options so this is what you're gonna get yeah it's the last resort after you've exhausted all all other options no chargebacks except maybe sometimes chargebacks but make sure there's a really darn good reason for it and feel like something has gone horribly wrong and try to get there. I think that's a pretty good rule. So that's the thing that you should almost basically never do. What's the thing that people should do as a customer to get great customer service that nobody really thinks about? Because I feel like there's got to be one of these two. My favorite thing is when someone sends us an email that's just simple. It's like, hey, I got the boots. I love them. They fit great. And here's a couple photos of something like that. Just a really nice message that says, I'm happy. And maybe they say, you guys did a great job with the sizing or I had a great experience. Just something, just give us some positive feedback. It it really makes my day. Just send an email being nice. Huh. I should start doing that. Yeah. Just be nice. Send a nice email. Yeah. I think that's like a nice natural extension of, you know, acknowledging the humanity of the other person giving you that customer service, right? For once, you're not just dealing with somebody complaining or asking you for something. You're actually getting to see and feel what you did mattered and that it was appreciated. I I mentioned before, like people, yeah, hit me up for for sizing advice on Instagram all the time. The one thing I tell people is like, let me know how it works out. A lot of times people just never ever message me ever again and it makes me sad and lonely you know it's like let me know when the boots show up send me a picture of them let me know how they fit you know what i mean like i'm excited for you because i played a small part in helping you enjoy this product letting somebody know that you don't know how much it means you know i screenshot a lot of that stuff and just save it in a folder to look at when i feel crappy i have some really nice messages from people being like hey thank you for helping me size these benzene chelsea's i like love them it makes me feel super good. Isn't that just the best, Patrick? It really is. Yeah, it makes like it makes the whole thing worth it, right? Like, you know, I know you have a very complicated job, Neil, running a complicated business. You deserve to feel some wins, man. That's what it's all about. No, everyone loves being recognized and like feeling valued and, you know, like what they did matters. Like I try to do that with some with our brands that we sell. Is I'll just send them an email email that says when normally it's just like Our email is, okay, here's my order. And they'll say, okay, here's the invoice. And I'll say, I've paid it. But if I just take it beyond being transactional and just say, hey, the delivery arrived, everything went smooth. I'm really excited and happy with it. Like the product's great. Or I'll say, I really love this shirt. You know, I got one for myself. Just something like that to to take it beyond just a transactional communication and transactional relationship. Everyone loves to hear that. You'll never fail if you just send someone a nice thank you note. Like if you had people over at your house in the before times and and someone just uh, said, hey, thanks for having me over the other night. I had a great time. That is nice. I love those. And yeah, if you're, you know, if you're looking to maximize your customer service experience and develop the relationship that we've kind of talked about here, like, yeah, that's a great way to do it. That's a great way to get invited back to somebody's house is to like send them a nice thank you note. If you appreciate somebody, let them know. I think that's just good advice in general for life. Yeah, and don't do a chargeback on them because you didn't like the food they gave you. (laughs) I have a lot of people who I'm not invited back to their house because I kept on trying to do chargebacks, and they were like, "This was a dinner party. We didn't, you didn't, we didn't even charge you any money." (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, had a great time. Get ready for the chargeback. Wink. <laughs> I think we know what we need to do now. Believe me, like, again, we are not in any way perfect people, but we took the time to train ourselves here. And hopefully anybody who's still listening. We got some stuff. Consider the plight of the customer servicer. Big one. Develop a real relationship. Be understanding and be a human. Know how to communicate right and in the most efficient way. Send Neil pictures of your bare feet to his personal email address, which I will now read. Go the extra mile. Don't do the chargeback, probably. But not to anybody cool. And tell them that you love them. And I love that. It's too sweet. It's too sweet. Uh, but I'm going to start doing that. I really am. And it should have been a long time ago. And you should send those thank you messages, not looking to get free stuff or not trying to game it, but just do it because you want to. Just make somebody's day. You are going to make someone's day, guaranteed. Oh, man. All right. Fellas, this was great. I think we all learned a lot. Huge thanks to Nick's Boots for sponsoring the episode and being just some darn lovely customer servicey folks to buy boots from. And of course, Neil for being tall, I guess, but lots of other stuff too and, and coming on the episode. Thank you, Mr. Neil. This was wonderful. Thanks for having me. Anytime. But look, that's it. Take care of your shoes. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.